Fathers, we do our very best to lift you up. Lord, I thank you that you're not just here in our midst, in the midst of this praise. But Father, I thank you that you have always been here. You did not simply create the world and spin it into existence and then separate yourself from it, Father, but you have always been active in the work, working out your perfect will, demonstrating your love through your Son, Jesus. Father, we thank you that you have always been there for us, walking with us through every valley, through every mountaintop, every experience of life. Father, you've been there. And I thank you, Lord, that we've been given eyes of faith to see, not just that you have been there, but that you always will be. Nothing can separate us from the love of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. Healing the broken. This series kind of came to life um, after many, many different conversations I had had with many folks both believers and unbelievers, who were struggling greatly with brokenness in their life, um, broken relationships, broken, uh, having broken hearts, broken bodies. Um, we, are very, we are very well aware of the, of the consequences, the response of sin, as we've seen many of our loved ones taken from us and be translated into glory. But this morning I hope... As I said in that introduction in, in the video announcements, I hope this morning that this message goes beyond the walls. And I know sometimes we can have a tendency to sponge up a message and soak up um, what's said to us and just reserve it in for ourselves. But I just want to remind you once again that, that God, God wants to use His Word not just in our life, but beyond our life and through our life. He wants our lives to affect other lives. And I pray this morning that we would not just be able to glean something that is real and meaningful and solid for us to, to build our lives on and, and to find answers this morning for us. But I pray that we remember these things that we hear, uh, we remember these things that we have learned, and use our life, as, use this information as an opportunity to invest and engage people because, folks, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm 36 years old. I have not been on the earth as long as some of you. But I will tell you that our world is incredibly broken. Our world is not just broken, but our, this world is full of people who are broken. And I don't know that there's probably ever been a, a time where the understanding of being broken and being healed um, by God is, has probably been more relevant than it is today. And you know what, I could probably say that next week and the week after, months and years after, and it would be true every time I would say it. I want you to join me this morning in opening uh, your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. I want to look at breakology. Let's study the break. For those of you that remember the NUM series we just came out of, used, uh, Derek, I used your, your lab coat. This probably would have been a good one also uh, to use your, your lab coat with. If we're going to understand brokenness, and this is a short series, four, four messages, if we're going to really understand brokenness, we really have to go back to the beginning to understand how brokenness even happened. I mean, is this what God planned? Is this what God designed? And if we're going to go back to the beginning, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. I want to read to you um, in chapter 3, 
I want to fast forward a little past the, the immediate beginning. At this point, God has created the heavens and the earth, every creeping thing, flying bird. He has created the water, the stars, everything. And then he creates man. And after he created all these things and saw that they were good, he created man and saw that things were very good. And God had placed in the garden the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he told Adam and Eve that they should not eat of that tree, for in the day that they eat thereof, they will surely die. And many of you are familiar with that story, is that Eve had come and been tempted by the uh, enemy, Satan, in the form of a serpent. She took of the fruit and she passed it to her husband. I want you to remember that that was a tremendous moment, and it, and it happened early on in the story. But everything before that account where Eve's teeth went through the flesh of that fruit, everything that happened before that was perfect. Everything was, if I could use this word, harmonious. If you look back in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 in the creation of man and the creation of all things, what you find is that God's creation was perfect. Man had a perfect relationship with, with his wife Eve. Man had a perfect relationship with the animals. In fact, his job was to have dominion over the animals. Man would go out and pick the fruit and, and live off the land that was provided for them abundantly. There was nothing wrong. And the greatest of all harmonies that we find in God's creation story is the harmony of God and man. The harmony of God and man. The, the relationship that they had being able to walk together and to talk together, to converse as face to face. Adam and God had that close, personal, unhindered relationship. And then sin entered the picture. It's difficult for us to imagine what it was like before sin because none of us have ever experienced it. We struggle sometimes wondering and imagining in our mind what heaven must be like because down here everything ends. We can't imagine something that doesn't have an end. Down here we suffer, we're in pain, we struggle, relationships break. That's what happens down here, but in heaven it doesn't. Let me tell you, it's the same thing before sin came into the world in the book of Genesis. Things were perfect. If you notice, verse number 7. Chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed figs leaves together and made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman that you gave to me she gave me of the tree. I hear some chuckles over here. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. You sensing a trend here? So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I don't hear those chuckles now. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. From out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Let's hop to the second slide this morning. God's original creation was perfect, was beautiful, and then sin entered into the picture. They had been warned, they knew what they were not supposed to do, but they did it, they yielded to that temptation, they ate of the fruit, and then the consequences come. I don't know that my mind can really grasp what a stark contrast that must have been to have had all all things perfect and in harmony, all relationships, everything was beautiful and perfect until sin stained it all. I want you to notice just briefly with me some of the consequences that came as a result of this sin. Look, Think about the relationships for just a moment and how this one sin act of Adam and Eve altered those relationships. Look in chapter 3, verse 8, please. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees. Here comes God, fully aware of everything that had gone on, and He's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, no doubt like He certainly had before, having fellowship with the pinnacle of His creation, having fellowship with the One who was made in His likeness. And He's here to walk and to talk and to converse as friend with friend. And rather than Adam running up to Him as a good, strong fellowship would, instead of having Adam run up in a loving relationship, Adam doesn't run to embrace God. Adam doesn't run to, to worship God. He runs away from God in fear and shame because of his sin. That sin did not just affect the world, but it affected Adam's relationship with God. Adam was scared and fearful and ashamed over his sin. And rather than running and embracing God, rather than growing in that relationship, he turns and tries to hide himself from God. The Bible has told us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has sinned because we also possess that same sin nature because we have all come from the same parents, Adam and Eve. And because every one of us has sinned, the Bible says we have all gone astray. Every man do our own way. You see, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 is not just an account of God's created being, that in whom was created in His likeness. Not just that perfect union broken, but a picture of every single one of us. Because of our sin, going astray, every man to his own, running everywhere but God and standing in need of a rescue. I have to tell you that the relationship that suffered the most, obviously, was God and man. But there was another relationship that suffered. There's no record of Adam and Eve ever splitting up. I mean, honestly, where would they go? Right? 
It's not like they had anybody else they could go find, right? They had to stick it out and, and work through it. But let me tell you this about the other relationship. It's Cain and Abel. You see, wouldn't it be amazing if there was, after Adam and Eve, there was no other sin? Let's say the Cain and Abel came out and, man, everything was perfect. No record of any wrongdoing, no acts, but that's not the case. What we have is Cain being jealous of his brother takes his brother out into a field and murders him. And then does the very same thing that his parents did. He tried to hide from that very truth of the act that he had done. You see, folks, we live in a world that is broken because of sin. And that's the consequences of sin have affected our relationship with a loving God. And that sin in our life affects our relationships with other people. It tears them down. It breaks them down. We begin to use people rather than love people. We begin to fight and to war and to bicker and to battle and to argue. We begin to have hateful or lustful thoughts, not loving in the way that God created us to do. We, our relationships suffer because of sin. I want you to think about this for a moment. In, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Seth means appointed. And this is why she named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abraham Cain killed. They had another kid. They named him appointed. And every time they called him by his name, it would have been a reminder that Cain killed his brother. Every time. Now, can you imagine, we, as a result of sin, our relationship with God does not just suffer. Our relationships with others don't just suffer. But oftentimes, we, are a, we, are, we, were, we are get affected by secondary actions of sin. Eve's heart, no doubt, as a mother, had to break knowing that one of her children had killed the other one. She lost one, and the other one became a vagabond. Immediately after the birth of the, after the, that murder, both of her kids are gone. Gone. One's dead, and one's a vagabond. So she has another kid and names him appointed because my one son took my other one's life. Friends, we often in life do not just suffer from our own sins. But we can suffer and be broken over the, the sins and the wrongdoings of other people, other groups, other actions, things they do to us, hurt us. Words or, 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 or intentions, or worst of all, actions, hurt us, secondary results of sin. If you notice in chapter 3, verse 16, some interesting words that... Before that time, we were never acquainted with, but unfortunately, after verse 16, we become incredibly acquainted with these words. Verse 16 to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Look at verse 17. Then he said to Adam, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat. Notice this. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. In verse 19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. Think of these words, folks. Sorrow. Pain. Thorns. Thistles. Sweat of your face. 
He speaks about weariness. So what we have now in verses 16, 17, and 18 is the introduction of a concept that had never been before, and that is pain and sorrow and weariness. How many of you do not like pain, sorrow, and weariness, right? Those are, folks, let me tell you something. Wednesday night prayer meeting, I love Wednesday night prayer meeting. I love meeting when, I, I love coming together when God's people get together to pray. Do you know Pain, sorrow, and weariness have got to be the top three things we pray about generally in in prayer group. I'm not making a judgment call. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just making an observation. Pain, sorrow, and weariness are one of the top-rated things that we pray about in our life. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. It's not just about our pain, our sorrow, our weariness. We do pray for others who are experiencing pain, sorrow, and weariness, but there's not one of us. There's not one of us in here that has never experienced those things. I don't care how young you are. You've experienced pain or sorrow or weariness. Words that have been introduced but have followed all throughout the Bible. If you noticed in verse 17, cursed is the ground for your sake. Relationships were hurt. Now pain is introduced, and now the world, earth, is cursed. Constantly battle against weeds. I don't know to what extent this cursing took place, but but I do know that the ground was cursed, and unfortunately, I, I don't know if it's fair for me to file it in this category, but I have a hard time believing that before sin there were ever things like tornadoes. I have a hard time to believe that before Sin, there were ever such things as hurricanes and earthquakes. I have a hard time to believe that those things are not the result of God cursing the earth. Let me remind you, he cursed Satan, he cursed the earth, but he punished Adam and Eve. Cursed the earth, cursed Satan, but he punished Adam and Eve. Friends, we know all too well how a cursed earth can break us. In verse 19. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Physical death now becomes not a warning, it becomes a reality. God tells Adam, I told you. In the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And you know what? The day they ate thereof, that death process started. Adam lived over 900 years, but you know what? He returned back to the dust from whence he was taken. Think about these things for just one moment. Relationship suffering. Secondary results of sin. Pain and suffering. The earth was cursed. And death, physical death, now becomes a reality. Friends, those are not the result of God's creation or a flaw in God's creation. Those things are a result of man's willingness to sin. That's the truth. That's the truth. 
Brokenness is not, is not anything uh, in these categories that I can find. Brokenness is not the result of anything else but at the heart a sin issue. Someone else's sin. My sin. The earth being cursed. Relationships being broken down because of that sin. It is a result of sin. God did not make us broken. He made us perfect. The truth is, we are fallible and fragile. And that is why we need someone faithful and strong. Which brings me to the good news. The third and final point. I can't leave you there. Guys, that's pretty bleak, isn't it? I mean, here's God's last words. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken and from dust you are and to dust you shall return. How would you like to have been Adam right there? I promise you there would not be a little smiley emoticon on the end of that text. It was pretty grim, pretty bleak. But you know what? Guys, here's the good news. God promised a victory. I love this. I love this part. Because right in the middle of all of this disaster, right in the middle when we see all these storm clouds coming and this darkness and this despair and death, and when all these things seem to be just floating around the air in this story, God shoots through a couple rays of light. Let me point out just a couple of these moments where God is saying, hey, it's bad, but I've still got it all under control. Let me tell you, look what in verse 20. Look at what Adam said. Adam understood something. In verse 20, and Adam called his wife's name Eve. Why? Because she is the mother of all of the what? The living. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she is the mother of all the living. So here, Adam has just had this death sentence. Adam's relationship with God had been hindered. Adam, uh, is, the earth has now been cursed. Adam has just been told he's going to work hard all of his life and he's going to die and return back to the dirt. And Adam turns to his wife and says, Your name is Eve. Because you are the mother of all of the living. Adam understood something. There is yet life coming from us. What in the world? Some people believe that, that the, the writer of Genesis just plugged that in because it was a good spot. No. No. Do you know why I believe Adam in verse 20? At that moment after everything seemed so glim and gloomy and dark. Why he said your name is Eve. You were the mother of all the living. I believe it's because of verse 15. God says to the serpent, Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, who's he? Her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Adam is right there like he's watching a tennis match, watching God talk to Satan. And what God said to Satan was this. I'm doing something, Satan. I've cursed you. And I've got something in the works that is going to happen and you are going to be crushed. In the middle of all of this darkness, in the middle of all of this sadness, in the middle of all of this failure, God says, I'm going to get a victory out of this. 
And it's going to happen through the seed of a woman. Guys, this is the very first prophecy we can find of Jesus Christ. The woman doesn't have the seed. It's the man that has the seed. This is a prophecy concerning the virgin birth, the seed of the woman. God putting his seed in Mary so that God in the flesh could come in the form of Jesus Christ. Here in the very first sin, here when things look the darkest, what God is saying is, Satan, you did not win. I will crush you. Amen? That is good news. Here's the brokenness. God said, I've still got it under control. No wonder Adam turned to his wife and said, you, Eve, are the mother of all the living because from you is going to come the one who is going to crush the one who just tempted us. That's why he called her the mother of all the living. God did not just give us this victory. In Genesis, he did not just clothe them in his love, did not allow them to run around naked, but he killed an animal and covered them with the tunics of their skin. The very first sacrifice we have in Scripture. But God did something else. If you're jotting down notes, if you want to use this as resources to engage a broken world, go ahead and write these down. Go ahead and write these down. How did God give us the victory? Go back to the consequences, right? Consequences, relationships suffered. How did God fix our broken relationship with Him? Let me give you an example. Luke 19.10. Jot it down. Broken relationship with God. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Don't you love that verse? If you don't have it memorized, that'd be a great one. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you think about it, it is the exact opposite of what was going on. Man was running away from God. And now we see here God running to man to rescue him from his sin, from his destruction. What about relationship with man and man? John 13, 34. Behold, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you. Jesus is saying the sacrifice that I'm giving for you is not just for your soul, but it is a demonstration of you as a believer how to live and act and react and interact with the rest of the world around you. What about secondary results of sin? What about the tragedy we experience and the hurt and the pain and the brokenness that we experience from the sin of other people. John 16.33 These things I have spoken unto you. That in me you might have peace. Jesus said. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good comfort. I have overcome the world. Jesus gave us an answer. For the problem of secondary results of sin. In the world. What about pain and suffering? What about those of you that are broken? Hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually. What about you? Prophet Isaiah said, Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And lists off several things, one of which is to bind up the brokenhearted. 
In Luke 4.18, Jesus goes, and, and as the custom was, he reads, is asked to read the scriptures. And he opens up to the prophet Isaiah in that very same thing, and he reads the exact prophecy that Isaiah had given. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to listen very carefully up the brokenhearted. Jesus shut the scroll and said, Today these teachings have been fulfilled in your ears. Jesus was saying that his job is to heal the brokenhearted. What about weariness? Those of you that have toiled and sweaty your brow, broken, your body is failing, you're tired, you're worn out, spiritually and physically, what about you? Oh, jot down Matthew eleven twenty eight. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What about that cursed earth? Friends, can I tell you there is coming a day where there will be no more tornadoes, I believe. Hurricanes. No. Earthquakes, plagues, pestilence. No, sir. Because my God said in Revelation 21, verse 5, Behold, I make all things new. There's coming a day, friends. There's a kingdom that is being built right now in which our God says that the lion will lay down with the lamb, that the former things, sorrow and crying and tears and death, those things will be taken away, and behold, all things will become new. Revelation 25, Behold, I make all things new. Amen? But what about death? What about physical death? That's a consequence of sin. That, that breaks us. It is not just a primary source of brokenness, but it can become a secondary source. I've seen it firsthand. I've experienced it. Sorrow and brokenness over the death of someone else. What about physical death? John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. He who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus. Notice the pronouns. I. Me. Jesus is telling us. God is showing us. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even only those four books. God is saying in my son Jesus, he who is going to crush the head of Satan with his heel, my son Jesus is the only answer for sin. He is the only answer for our brokenness. Friends, I don't know where you go to find a remedy for your brokenness. I don't know where you go to find the remedy for your emotional heartbreak. I don't know where you go to find strength for your soul. I don't know where you go to patch up your relationships. I don't know where you go when you feel crushed by the news of the world. 
But out of all the places you can go, there is only one that is worthwhile. And that is running truly into the arms of the one who created you, formed you, and is the only one who has an answer for sin. And that, my friends, is Jesus Christ. The question this morning is twofold. One is, are you broken? What's broken in your life? We're going to get into next time. We're going to get into how do we know we're broken? How do we know how to fix it? We're going to get into that. But be very still with me for just a moment. Two questions. Are you broken? And if that answer is yes. My second question is what are you going to do about it? Have you made a plan? Have you made a plan for that day? When you return back to the dust of the earth from whence you came? Do you have a plan right now knowing that your body breaks? Do you have a plan to live forever? There is no other way except God's only son who he prophesied in the very first book of the Bible in the third chapter. He will crush his head. Today, have you trusted Christ as your savior? Because friends, let me tell you, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. If you have never trusted Christ, if you have no idea where you're going to spend eternity, you can know that today. You can say, God, I know, I believe that you are the answer for my brokenness. God, I know that you died on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins that I couldn't pay back. And today, I know I'm a sinner, and I ask you, God, to forgive me. Thank you for seeking and saving me. I want to ask you this morning, beyond salvation, maybe your life's just not right. Maybe you didn't even need me to say anything about the word broken. You came in here and it was and you, it was heavy on your heart and you knew it. It's one thing to recognize you're broken. It's a whole other thing to look out for the remedy. What are you going to do about it? Is there sin in your life that needs to be dealt with? You need to confess that, forsake that. Or that, do you need to run in and develop, further develop your relationship with Christ personally? A living, real relationship with Jesus. Maybe this morning you say, God, I'm ready to get back on track with you. I want to rededicate my life. This is a marker in my life where I'm walking with you closer than I ever have before. Maybe you just need some prayer. Maybe you need someone to be able to walk with you down that road. Maybe there's just something you've got to share with someone or you need some guidance or counsel or direction. Today is the day. Now is the moment. Praise God he came to bind up the brokenhearted. Maybe, like Lucy, you're saved and you've never been baptized. Maybe today you know in your heart, hey, this is my first step of obedience to Jesus Christ. We still have water. Philip, you didn't pull the plug when you got out, did you? No, there's still water. We could still do this thing today. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. When I pray for you and I say amen, if you have a decision you need to make publicly, if you have something you need to leave up here at the altar, if you have a decision to make with, with someone, I, I, I pray today, at this moment, when I say amen, you get up out of your seat and come forward and make that decision. Church membership, baptism, rededication, doesn't matter. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you, God, that you are the answer to every one of sin's problems. Lord, science, government, philosophy has no answer for sin, only you. Thank you, God, for not just being the answer, but the remedy. You became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 
And this morning, I pray for those who are broken, bent over, Lord, carrying the load of despair and sorrow, that they may recognize that brokenness and come to the healer. Father, I pray that you would receive glory this morning in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.